The Daily Read, your source for news, politics, sports, and all things trending. Here's your host, Marcus Gentry. There's only so many pastors they can have. And if their pastor's Al Sharpton right now, that's fine. But then that's it. We don't want any more black pastors coming in here. White people, you need your nigga friends so they can tell you when shit is not appropriate. Or other, Jesse Jackson, whoever was in, was in here earlier this week, sitting with the victim's family, trying to influence a jury in this case. If a bunch of folks came in here dressed like Colonel Sanders with white masks sitting in the back, I mean, that would be Welcome to the Daily Read, people. That was uh, an attorney from uh, Roddy Bryant talking about how he doesn't want any more black pastors in the courtroom for uh, the Ahmaud Arbery trial. We're going to talk about that later. Uh, I've been under the weather for the last two weeks, and uh, things have uh, brightened up for me a little bit. I had a, a, a bad congestion in my chest. I thought it was COVID at first, but it wound up being uh, just a regular bad cold. You know, I work out in the elements uh, doing construction sometimes, and uh, it gets bad out here. And uh, I got real sick. Uh, I, mean, I was down. I, I was I had a big scare. I've had my COVID shot, but it wasn't COVID. I went and got tested. It wasn't COVID. And they gave me some strong antibiotics and uh, medicine and stuff and knocked it right on out. As you can tell, my voice is still kind of raspy a little bit. But, uh, you know, I've been following things going on in the news for the last two weeks, along with trying to get my sponsors together and everything for my show. But this is this is some serious people. The judicial system is showing its true colors with two cases that is going on in America right now. Two major cases involving uh, Black Lives Matter up in Wisconsin and involving uh, a young black kid who went into a building curious. I think he was curious. He could have been looking for something to steal. I don't know. Nobody knows. But the problem is. You can't arrest somebody or try to detain somebody for suspicion. The fact of the matter is he didn't take anything and he went back on his job or whatever he was doing with nothing in his hand, nothing he took out of the place. And these men hunted him down basically and lynched him. And we're gonna, we're, like I said, we're gonna talk about the Ahmaud Arbery case a little later on because I got some good news and I got some bad news for you. Now, I try to keep it real with you, and you know I try to keep it real with you at all times, people. And to be honest with you, the Cal Rittenhouse case might not go all the way to a conviction. So I want America, the, the part of the uh, public that actually listens to my show, I want you to be prepared to find a not guilty verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Be prepared, people. And the reason why I'm saying this, okay, he brought an illegal weapon into Wisconsin. You see, where he lives, being his age, he can have that gun. But living in Wisconsin, he has to be over the age of 18 to have that gun. And he, at the time, was 17. So, Number one, he brought an illegal weapon. I'm talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. 
I'm going to give you the bad news first, then I'm going to give you the good news, what I think is going to happen with the Ahmaud Aubrey case. I think they're going to find those guys guilty. But uh, back to the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Uh, if you involved in a bank robbery and you drive the bank robber to the spot and he jumps out the car, goes in, commits a bank robbery, and gets caught and you drive away, you're still going to be charged with bank robbery. Understand how that works. Kyle Rittenhouse brought an illegal weapon with 30 round clip, with 30 rounds into Wisconsin illegally. He is ultimately responsible for those people's death because the, the, the initial committal of the crime was he brought an illegal weapon into Wisconsin. So he is ultimately responsible for what happened in Wisconsin, even though it might have looked like self-defense. You see, how this all played out was it was some words passed between the first man he killed and him. He took off running. They followed him. He got scared because another person in the crowd shot a gun in the air. Kyle Rittenhouse turns around and shoots the first person properly that approached him, which was the guy that he was already arguing with, the first man he killed. Follow along with me, people, because I think he's a piece of crap, and I think he should be convicted, but I'm telling you right now, people, the way things are looking in the um, uh, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse case, I don't think he's going to get convicted, people. Okay? Uh, his defense attorney found a video showing one of the pers one of the people he shot had pointed a gun at him. Now, this goes along with the second and third person he shot. After he killed the first guy, he took off running and everybody was screaming that he was an active shooter. So the rioters and the people on scene that was out there in the streets tried to stop him. One of the guys that tried to stop him had a gun and they have a still footage of the man running up on Kyle Rittenhouse with the gun after Kyle Rittenhouse shot the second guy and then the guy with the gun got shot in the wrist or the hand. But the photo clearly showed the guy that ran up on Kyle Rittenhouse had a gun. Okay? So any reasonable person can, can, can deduce that the boy was scared and he shot that guy in self-defense. But like I said, he brought an illegal weapon to Wisconsin. Ultimately, if that weapon wasn't there, those three individuals wouldn't have got shot. He's ultimately still responsible. Now, capital murder, no. I think they overreached by trying to charge him with murder. They should have charged him with manslaughter because, like I said, he's still responsible for those people's deaths because he brought that gun to that situation, which was an illegal gun. He didn't bring a legal gun to that situation. So 
by him bringing an illegal gun, he's still responsible. But the jury, which is mostly, I think, white people, and the fact that the judge is, is, is he's the judge is acting like a wild man, like he's just on Kyle Rittenhouse's side. The judge in the case is telling people, is t told the, uh, the prosecution that you can call these people rioters and looters, but you can't call them victims. That was strange to me. He, and basically he's giving everything to the Kyle Rittenhouse camp, allowing them to basically do whatever they want. Now they're trying to say because the judge uh, chewed out the prosecutor in the case about a, 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 a miscalculation on his part that they're trying to get a, a mistrial. Okay. Now, like I said, people, this whole Kyle Rittenhouse thing, it's going to wind up being bad news and be prepared for it. I highly doubt they're going to charge this kid, I mean, convict this kid of murder. Now, manslaughter, if the jury was given the option of manslaughter, which they probably should have get, get, get been given, I think he should have been charged with manslaughter originally. The prosecution should have been looking at the whole evidence and said, okay, it clearly looks like he was scared for his life. But he wouldn't have been in that situation if he wouldn't have brought that illegal gun to the situation. So basically, they should have just charged him with manslaughter. So now uh, I want to get into this fake. Now, I, I took some acting classes down in uh, Atlanta, and I've seen people that can cry, like, you know, at the drop of a dime, because it's a technique uh, actors use where they, they think of bad memories that they've had, and then they, 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 they tear up, and, and I just, I just give you an example of that. And, 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 and for those of you who watch me, who listen to me on iHeartRadio, you couldn't see how I just, you know, did that. I could, I could literally bring tears to my eyes right now, you know, just sitting here talking on this microphone. It's a technique. It's not everybody can't do it, people. It is a technique, and it does take a little practice. And you can clearly tell that this kid was trying his best to cry. But he has no emotions about that. You know, he, he, I'm, 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 I'm just going to stop talking and give, and give you the video of it. Watch this. There were, <laughs> there were people right there. Anyway. I'm going to stop that right there. Uh, that young man 
I'm telling you people, I've seen it done. He's trying to force himself to cry, but he can't because he really has no, he, he's not even emotional about that. You know, he done took two people alive. He shot three people, took two of their lives and he don't care. You know, he doesn't care. And I think he knows he's going to get off on this, you know, and but, you know, like like people, people might disagree with me. People might think that he was probably really distraught. But I'm looking at this kid and it's looking like he's trying to force himself to cry. But he has no empathy. He, uh, you know, ain't not a tear in his face. Did no tear drip from his face, people. Not one. I don't, I don't believe it. And... You know, like I was saying earlier about the whole uh, uh, Ahmaud Aubrey case, that's a different ball game. You know, that that's that's something that's that's uh, those men they're gonna get they're gonna get convicted. I can tell how things is going in that case. Those men are gonna get convicted, but I want you to really pay attention to how. The, uh, the judge told the jury in the Kyle Rittenhouse case to step out of the room and then he chewed the uh, lawyer out, the prosecutor out. And this is by design. The reason I say this is by design because now if the jury does convict Kyle Rittenhouse, what's going to happen is on appeal, just because this judge chewed out the prosecution, he might win on an appeal. After about two years from now, after everybody done forgot about this case, nobody's following the case anymore. If the jury convicts Kyle Rittenhouse, he might get off on an overturn of his conviction by an appeals court. So check out what the judge did how the judge set this up to where even if Kyle Rittenhouse does get convicted, another judge can come along later on and vacate the sentence. Watch this. The court left the door open. This for me, not for you. My understanding of you your... should have come and asked for uh, for reconsideration. I, I was astonished when you began your examination by commenting on the defendant's post-arrest silence. That's basic law. It's been basic law in this country for 40 years, 50 years. I have no idea why you would do something like that. I had heard nothing in this trial to change any of my rulings. That was so why? Testimony, Your Honor. Pardon me? That was before the Don't get testimony. brazen with me. My good faith feeling this morning after watching that testimony was you had left the door open a little bit. Now we had something new and I was going to probe it. I don't believe you. When you say that, that you were acting in faith, good faith, I don't believe that, okay? Basically, the judge is calling this prosecutor a liar. That's basically what he's doing. He's calling the prosecution a liar, and that's going to leave the door open for if even if Kyle Rittenhouse does get convicted, it'll get overturned later on just because of this judge right here and the things he's doing on the bench to help Kyle Rittenhouse. So I think this is already in the making. They're going to make, uh, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse is either going to be uh, uh, found innocent 
or he's going to get convicted and later on about a year or two from now once everything work its way through the uh, appeals court they're going to cite this this uh, judge up here berating and calling the prosecution a liar and a bad faith actor and it's going to mess the whole case up to where Kyle Rittenhouse eventually will get off on these murder charges but uh you know, this is this is this is uh basically the court the courts being exposed. They're being exposed right now. You know, this is not something that's just uh, new. It's new because it's, it's being out in the public on public display right now. But this been going on. I often tell a story because I know a lot of people that watch my show or listen to my show on our Heart Radio, they like when I tell anecdotes of exactly what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is I have a friend who did seven years in federal prison for having a gun illegally. There was a white man in jail with him that had the same gun charge. But what they did to his case, the prosecutor took away the gun charge and charged him with a lesser charge as long as he pled guilty to it a lesser charge called uh, possession of stolen goods now understand how this works stolen goods can be a stolen TV a stolen gun a stolen bullets uh, stolen shoes stolen goods when you put it on paper it doesn't look like a stolen gun. So the white guy who had the same charge initially that the black guy had, my, my, my friend, he got a lesser charge called felon in possession of stolen goods. That white man got 11 months, 29 days in the county jail and got out back with his family. My partner, my friend, who had a stolen gun illegally, the feds came and picked him up because they didn't give him a lesser charge of felon in possession of stolen goods. You see, this, these are what you call loopholes in the law that gives white people lesser time and give black people more time in prison. They've been doing this. They've been doing this for decades. Okay, it's, it's finally being exposed. Let's continue on with this Kyle Rittenhouse before we move on to uh, the Omar Arbor case because I want y'all to see the differences in them. How it all started. This defendant with the illegally obtained gun showed up with 30 rounds of ammunition and an aggressive assault rifle. When you decided to bring your AR-15 loaded with 30 rounds down to the 63rd Street source, car source location, what did you think you needed protection against? I didn't really think I was going to have to protect myself. You told us just now you brought it along for protection. I did, but I didn't think I was going to need to protect myself. You brought it along for protection, but you didn't think you needed protection? See. See, the difference is, this is white privilege on display, people. 
This is white privilege on display. This kid is just telling you he brought a gun, and this is not the only thing he said now. He said some other stuff about how when the, when the prosecutor asked him, he said, uh, why did you pick the AR-15? He said, because I thought it looked nice. I thought it looked cool. He said, you didn't, you didn't pick the gun for home defense? He said, no, I just thought it looked cool. And this is the problem with the gun culture in America. There's really no need for all of this. A simple, you know, matter of fact, I'm going to tell you what a, what, a, what, a, what a guy told me who shoots guns on the regular. He says a real shootout lasts seconds. Three to four shots at the most. If you shooting more than three or four shots, you're in a gun battle. There shouldn't be gun battles on the streets of America. Listen to what I just said. A guy who's a gun expert told me that, you know, the whole thing about guns is it's meant to stop people from hurting you or defend your property and things of that nature. If you shoot more than three rounds, you in a gun battle because that's all it takes. Boom, boom. That's it. Pop, pop or boom, boom. However you want to put it, the gun sound. That's all it takes. If you I'm demonstrating y'all gun sounds, but if you doing all of that, there shouldn't be no need for all of that. There shouldn't be no need for all of that gunplay on the streets. Not in America. Maybe in Iraq, maybe in Afghanistan, maybe in other countries, but here in America, there shouldn't be no need for major gun battles in the streets. And this kid is a prime example of white privilege. It's on full display, people. So I just had to give you the bad news first. And then uh, now we're going to get into the Ahmad Arbery. I'm going to give you all a little, a little bit of good news, what I think is going to happen uh, in the Ahmad Arbery case. Uh, we'll be back. The business, motherfucker. The Daily Read. Me and Bagel, now it's beat tight But you know we meet every single day and night Even when they start to actin' like a fool Yeah, they love it every single day you do You know that Bagel, now it's beat yourself They love each other more than anybody else And every day, as you see, I'm on YouTube You know that's not one, it'll always be the truth Stupid Emily, stupid Emily Stupid Emily, stupid Emily the business, motherfucker. The Daily Ring. <laughs> A defense attorney today raised an issue with high-profile, nationally known activist pastors being in the courtroom during the trial of three men charged in the shooting death of Ahmad Arbery. Now, I want y'all to, to, to listen to how that newscaster put that whole situation. He put that whole situation as uh, the, 
lawyer for one of the defendants in the Ahmaud Arbery case is basically raising an objection of high-profile people. Notice what he said, high-profile people, you know, black pastors. And when he, when he said that, and I looked at the video, the video is totally different from what this newscaster is actually saying. You know, he's trying to downplay it. But, you know, there's a difference, people, in the Ahmaud Arbery case. Number one, Ahmaud Arbery didn't take nothing. Rowdy, uh, the guy named Rowdy, saw a black man running and a white pickup truck with two white men chasing him and automatically took the size of the white men. The lawyer asked him in the case, did you even ask the black guy, was he okay? Do he need assistance? He said no. You know, he, he told one of the uh, investigators no. And the reason why is because his racial bias automatically thought that the black man had to have done something. He don't even know the Bryans. Don't even know these people. He don't even know the man who owned that house that Ahmaud Aubrey walked through. I've done it as a kid. I've seen abandoned houses. Me and my friends had sticks just in case dogs was in there. And we walked inside the abandoned place and looked around, not looking for nothing to steal, but just curious kids, you know. And a generation before my generation would have walked in there and spray painted a wall or something. You know, because they do spray paint, uh, they call it tagging. Spray painting was big back in the days, in the, in the 80s, early 80s and the late 70s. So generations before me would have walked in there not to steal something, but maybe to spray paint their name on the wall or something. This is what curious kids do. Now, could he have been in there trying to look for something to steal? Maybe. But the fact of the matter is, he didn't take nothing. They had no proof he didn't take nothing. Now they're trying to say that they was trying to make a citizen's arrest. In order to make a citizen's arrest, you got to know that this person has done a crime. See, when you make a citizen's arrest, people, I'm trying to trying to keep my voice as, as low as I can. You know, I'm still I'm still kind of under the weather. But in order to make a citizen's arrest, I'm gonna give you an example of what that means. If I see two guys fighting, but I saw the first guy hit the other guy first, I can grab the first guy, put him on the ground, and make a citizen's arrest and hold him there until the police come. Because I witnessed him punch this other guy first. And when the police get there, I'm going to tell them, look, uh, I seen him hit that guy right there. And he was beating him up, so I had to stop it make a citizen's arrest, I detained him until y'all got here. That's what a citizen's arrest is. Just to see a young black kid running down the street, now you're trying to make this claim, this claim that you was trying to make a citizen's arrest. What was you making a citizen's arrest for? He didn't have nothing in his hands. You know, you didn't see him take nothing. Matter of fact, the Bryans didn't even see him go in that building. Listen to what I'm saying, people. They didn't even see him go in that building. There was another man across the street from that building 
who saw him go in there and call 911. And he got on the witness stand and said he regret even calling 911 because he, 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 he didn't see him take nothing. He just went in there and came out. Then videotape popped up of several people, including white people, walking inside that building. Just walking in there and walking back out. Kids, little white kids going in, going out the building. You know, just looking around, curious. Like, man, this is an open house. The house has got timber and, and wood everywhere. Construction work going on. And they just walking in there, looking around. Listen to what one of the detectives said about Ahmad Aubrey. Never seen him with anything in his hands coming or going from the property on the videos that I have seen. Lawyers for defendant Greg McMichael, his son Travis, and neighbor William Bryan portray Aubrey as a suspicious figure who the men had reason to think had committed a crime. Meanwhile, outside the court, a defense attorney who rarely talks to the media tried to calm the outrage about his colleague's comment about black pastors. Uh, that statement was totally asinine, ridiculous. In no way do we want to exclude anybody from this process. Uh, everyone is welcome. Come one, come all. I now, that last little bit of that uh, video clip was a lawyer who works with the other lawyer who said that we don't want any more black pastors up in here. Okay. Now, the man did come back and apologize to the Aubrey family, the Ahmaud Aubrey's mother, you know. But the fact of it is, she, she accepted his apology, but she said he shouldn't have said that, you know. Because the jury, most people, if I met if I met Al Sharpton, I would know who he is. But a lot of people don't even know who Al Sharpton is. They know who he is because of CNN and they know his name. But if they just saw him standing at a store or standing in a courtroom, sitting in a courtroom, People wouldn't know who Al Sharpton is right away because most people don't follow politics and, and, and things like that. Most people. Now, if somebody was, came along and said, man, that's Al Sharpton over there, I'd be like, what? That is Al Sharpton. But Al Sharpton said the man didn't even know he was in the courtroom until somebody brought it to his attention. Even the lawyer himself who said what he said didn't even know Al Sharpton was in the courtroom. Didn't even know it. This. This is the man's apology. My apologies to anyone who might have inadvertently been affected. In court, defense attorney Kevin Goff trying to walk back his comment from the previous day. Now, the the, the crazy part about all this, the little the the white woman, I think it's his uh, paralegal. You know these lawyers. They have assistants, you know, I, I call them paralegals or, uh, you know, uh, lawyer assistants or things like that. These are the grunts. These are the people who do the paperwork for the lawyers. She was so taken aback by what her boss said. I want y'all to look at this woman real quick. I want y'all to look at this woman real quick. Look at her reaction when the man... I got arrows pointing to her, but even she was like, man, I can't believe he just said that. I I, I can see her quitting. Like, she's probably not going to bring attention to the case and quit right now, 
But now that this guy has been exposed, I can see her after this case is over with looking for another job because she's probably trying to be a lawyer herself and she don't want to be attached to this. Look at her face. Look at her reaction. There's a white mask sitting in the back. I mean, that would be good. Now, <laughs> I put Cat. Cat Williams one of my, he's one of the, the, the best comedians of all time. And I put a little a little short clip meme uh, to Cat Williams at the front of the show. You know, he uses the word, he used the N-word a lot. And that's offensive to some people. But Cat Williams is funny. You know, he's basically telling you, man, you need to find you some black friends so they can tell you what some shit is not appropriate. You know, because obviously this man don't hang with too many black people. I mean, it's obvious. And the look on her face is priceless. I mean, she is really like, I can't believe this man just said this. You know, she's sitting there like, man, what have I done? I'm working for this guy. That's the, that's the, that's the look of a woman who can't wait till this case is over with. She's going to find her some more employment. But uh, the good news about this is, if you've been following the Ahmaud Arbery case, you would know that they going down. You know, I got a funny feeling that these three men, including the Roddy guy, is going to uh, do some time behind this, if not life. But the whole Cal Rittenhouse thing, uh, be prepared, people. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think the jury is going to find him uh, guilty of capital murder. But now, then again, you know, you never know. You never know. But my my guess is they're not going to mess with him. They're, they're going to let him free. He's going to be a. Uh, he's going to be just like that guy down in Florida. After he get off of these murder charges, he's going to be running around with a whole bunch of white supremacists, uh, talking crap pointing guns, shooting uh, videos going to pop up of him at a shooting range with his chest stuck out. You know, he, he's going to get off on this, people. I'm sorry to say this, you know, you know, uh, it's going to make some people mad, but that's just the facts of it. But uh, we back, people. Uh, I, like I said, I, I was under the weather for about two weeks. I was down. I'm talking about I, I was, my, even my girlfriend, I told her to stay away from me for about a week. And she brought her butt over here anyway, and, and me and her was cuddled up on the couch, and I coughed in my arm. And within two seconds of me coughing, she started clearing her throat. And next thing I know, by the time she left my house, I warned her. I told her not to come over here. She came over here anyway. I warned the people. And when she came over here, she's sick now. You know, my, my sickness is almost over with. Now, uh, her sickness is almost over with now, too, but she caught it. You know what I'm saying? That's how violent this this uh, this, this this bug I had was. It, it might have been the flu. I don't know. The doctor really didn't tell me if it was the flu, but he told me I had a cold, and it was violent. I'm talking about it spread to her so fast within seconds. But it, within seconds of me coughing in my arm, in my, the crook of my arm, she was sitting right next to me. Now, by the time she left my house, she was uh, clearing her throat every two or three seconds. Like, uh, 
oh, baby, you done got me sick. I was like, man, I, I told you not to come over here. I, I told you I, I had Parasol, Lysol. I had all the saws in the house. I was wiping down. I was like, man, I, I warned you. But uh, she's okay. She's about to get over her cold. And uh, as far as the Ahmaud Aubrey case and, uh, and the Kyle Rittenhouse case, pray for everybody involved, people. And uh, uh, keep the families in your heart. And pray that these people take this bigotry out of their heart for other people that don't look like them. I hope y'all learn something here. This is the Daily Read and I'm out. The business, motherfucker. The Daily Read. <laughs>